We have been in a very intense, crazy topic, which has been, I think, really encouraging to our body. Uh, we've been spending, we went through a time of men and masculinity, fatherhood, things of that sort. And then we wanted to see what the Proverbs are saying about women and femininity. And uh, it's been, uh, I think, really encouraging, helping people have to really sh- look at what the scriptures are saying about uh, role distinctions and things of that sort as far as women. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to finish this week if we can uh, in the, re- the women's portion. And then I want to really encourage you guys uh, to take the packet uh, that's out back uh, and use that to continue growing your understanding and your theology of what God is saying specifically in Proverbs to help understand, strengthen your Bible study uh, methods of observation, interpretation, application. Grab that information. Continue to dive in because everything that's happening up here on Sundays is just a microcosm. It's just the tip of the iceberg, literally. Uh, of what the Lord is saying about any of these topics that we're going through, okay? Again, we're going to go through probably another 15 or so uh, topics, big picture, and then uh, we're going to enter into a time of, 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 of uh, ecclesiology. We're going to talk about ecclesiology in the fall, but I just want you to know these topics, you, 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 can, you can dive in much deeper. I just want to encourage you in that. Let me pray for us, and then we've got a lot of work to do, guys, and we're going to jump right in. Uh, so let me just bow your heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, Thank you so much that we get to just rejoice because you've done it all. We get to sing and, and watch our kids and have fun that way, and it's just, it's just good. And, Lord, I pray that our posture would be that, that you, you are a conqueror and that you have conquered and that we reign with you and that we can rejoice in that. And we pray that um, we would be passionate and hungry. Holy Spirit, allow this body to be hungry for your truth, um, to want to grow and understand what your scriptures say and to want to apply them to our heart. Pray that there will be a posture of humility and brokenness and excitement that you're their king. We pray that the gospel will be clear, through even through our expression right now. Um, we just want to trust you with that, Jesus. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so um, after talking last week, um, I just want to encourage you guys. I love our body because here's what happened. had a couple of um, people send me some emails and they were really good, encouraging emails. Everything was on par. Everything was super uh, encouraging. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was so well done. And and basically, the tenor was, which I thought was really true, was like, "Hey, I know you talked about it briefly, but I feel like we're not learning much about. We're not understanding our role as single people. Okay, as we talk about." Uh, being married, as we talk about understanding that the Bible, you know, I'm not, we're not apologetic about what the Bible does present in the sense of the importance of the family unit, the celebration of the families, the celebration of the role distinctions. But then what, how does that play in a practical life as a single person? So what I want to do, I want you guys to all pay, hopefully really good attention here and uh, maybe get your pen out and write down some notes, get your Bibles out. I'm going to go through a text because I want to, I want to address that a little bit. I just want to uh, encourage our single people, hopefully, uh, in, some, in some, a brief snapshot. Again, I can, I can make this be a whole talk, but it's going to be a brief snapshot on, on why, uh, why I propose talking about fatherhood and motherhood um, that the scriptures are assuming something about the single people in that discussion. Let me say that again. That when talking about fatherhood and motherhood, that, that the scriptures are assuming something um, because, the, remember, the key is role distinction. They're assuming something about what you're learning um, as a mom and what you're learning as a single woman, what you're learning as a man, and what you're learning as a daddy. Okay? The Scriptures are also assuming that, that the Scriptures never compartmentalize, meaning 
that this is for you and you, this doesn't mean anything to you. Like, it doesn't say, well, this is for single people, and so the married people, you can't hear this. And this is for married people, and so this means nothing to single people. The Bible doesn't work like that. And I'm, I'm hopefully I can show that briefly too. Okay? So let me, let me just start by addressing um, <clears throat> specifically our, our ladies from last week who were saying, well, what is a woman to do while single? Um, because we do begin to think that these talks aren't for us. And, uh, and I want to say uh, that the tenor in the scriptures is, I would say the world would tell you, or even in the Christian world, you kind of feel like I got to wait to live. Like, so I'll wait for my husband, I'll wait for my wife, and then I really kind of get to live. Um, and, and partially because the framework of the church uh, can make you feel like, huh, maybe you, 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 you want to obey what scriptures say. You're not thinking like the world where you got to get yours. I don't think a lot of our women are on that tip. We got to get yours. You got to get yours. But you don't have a husband or wife. And so you kind of left in the middle and you're like, so what, what am I to do? Well, let's look at First um, Corinthians chapter 7. As we do have a high view of church, family, and marriage, but this is very important. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, and let's see what the Bible models. Now, what I've done here is versus reading the whole chapter, I'm, I've taken it in chunks. I want to give you the responsibility to go back and fact check, okay? But I just want to read through and then give some, um, hopefully, a few observations. Again, the point here is us addressing what, what are singles to be thinking as they're reading Scripture. What are the singles role in life is, okay? If you're a single person right now, all right? That's the thesis. We'll start in verse 6 in chapter 7. It says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. Uh, this is Paul saying that this is me being a wise man, um, you know, author of about 13 books in the Bible. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has its own gift. If you have a Bible, circle the word gift from God. Very important. One of one kind and one of another, okay? Same word, gift, is oftentimes interpreted the, like a grace. So in a sense, uh, the, the, the posture I want to propose is, is, is a posture of, of God giving you a grace, a gift. Verse 8, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. Uh, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Uh, he goes on, basically the context saying that you're bought with a price, you're God's. That's the whole point there. Uh, in verse 25, when you skip down, he says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. I mean, they had all these different dramas and this present distress. I mean, we can even talk about that today uh, and all the stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, his posture here is in the present distress that you only have a certain amount of time. Uh, he, I, I want to propose he's going to say, basically, don't seek a wife. <laughs> um, he says, I think that in the view of this present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do, do, uh, do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Verse 28, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if you betroth, uh, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. I love that. I love, <laughs> I love that he says, if you get married, you're not sinning. Uh, this sounds kind of funny to me. Like, look, you can get married. It's not sin. That's how, that's how, that's how it, kind of, it kind of sounds to me, which, which I want to make a statement uh, in a moment. He says, um, 
Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that, verse 32. So the context there, he's, he's saying basically, and so far, if you're, seeing, if you're seeing a picture he's painting, he's painting kind of a picture of like, man, to be single is actually where it's at. And to be married is actually really difficult. Are you seeing that? Fact check it when you go in your own time. Verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please um, the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. And his interests are, are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. So someone asked, so what is the woman, single woman to be doing? I love if you could circle how it says she's anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. I would circle how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I'm telling you this because I'm telling you, he's saying that the, the person who gets the greatest joy here, actually, he's saying, man, it's, it's the person who has an undivided attention to the Lord that you are free to give all your time to Jesus. Verse 36, if anyone thinks he is not having properly toward, uh, not behaving properly toward a betrothed, which is basically a deeper process than, than even engagement, but is not marriage, marriage yet. If his passions are strong and it has been, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined that this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Okay, here are some observations from that text. The first thing I want to show, I think the clear observation when talking about uh, what does it look like for a single person? What do we do? You know, I want to say first, the Bible is teaching in that pericope that there is no sadness in being single. The tenor in this text, guys, is there's joy in singleness and pain in marriage. That's what the tenor is, Right. So his point is, don't, he's saying, hey guys, don't, and I look at some of the wives and husbands kind of giggling, right? I mean, I had a, I had a, we had a, I had a discussion with a, one of my dearest friends, we were talking, and we were just both like, man, like, so I know we have to fight, and I know this is a fight, I know we, we're, we're fighting hard for our wives, but does it ever get easy? That's what our discussion was. Does it ever get easy? Do you ever get the coast? So I want to propose to you guys that, uh, it seems that Paul knew something. He's like, look, don't think these, like the grass isn't greener on the other side is his point. Okay. Uh, you think about that. You're bringing two people, two crazy people together, two broken, jacked up people from different worlds, basically man and woman together. And they're going to kind of live together and care for each other. That's a difficult task. So first thing I was going to say that the Bible is teaching, there's no sadness in being single. And I say that because the world has, has lied to us, right? 
And then I even feel like we as a Christian church, like we are talking about families, but then what happens is I think we start believing lies and we start thinking that because we're talking about families, we're devaluing singleness. All right. And that's not necessarily, that's not the case at all because the Bible is saying that there's an assumption that you've got it going on. Number two. Now, why should the person, why should it not be sadness in being single? The reason why in the text is because you can devote yourself fully to the Lord, right? So the whole concept in the Bible is that there's a kingdom first mentality that the scripture writers are coming from. And so they're saying, when we really see Jesus as our apex, we see him as our king and we really, and we see him as our treasure and we realize that all of life is about Christ, right? If all of life is about Christ and then we say, man, when I'm single, I now get all my time to devote to Jesus He says, there's no sadness in that. His point is time is short. And so maximize your productivity for Jesus. That's his whole posture. See, what we do is we, we, we're single and we can, we, we buy our time to get married and we kind of wait and we feel like, well, things will really happen when I'm married. And he's saying that, no, you should have a fire right now. You should be living hard and strong and well. And if God blesses you with that, that other grace, great. But right now he's given you a grace, a gift. The same concept in 1 Peter 4 he talks about. He says in 1 Peter 4 that the, that the grace, that the gift God has given us is for the common good. So it's for, it's for the people of God, which I'm going to get to in a moment. So he says, um, we got to have that in view. He says, don't get married so all devotion goes to Jesus. Now, because of that singleness, singleness is not seen as a curse, but a gift. See, I want to propose that some of our thinking is really, if we're honest, we see it as almost like a curse. When people are single for some sense of longevity, we and they start thinking something's wrong with them. And it's not true. The word here is grace. God has actually given this to you. It's something God has intentionally purposed. If God has intentionally purposed this, then there cannot be any more wor- We can't have like the worldly thinking about singleness. Like, right, like um, I'm, too, I'm too loud. I'm, uh, you know, I'm at a church with no single dudes. I mean, we start, we start coming up with all these reasons behind why we're single. But do you see how that's faulty theology if God has made you single? Do you see that? If God has made you single, he can make you married. And so if you're single, the Bible is saying it is a, it is a curse. It's a gift. Let me just, uh, can I do a, do a quick commercial? And this is why... Um, you know, I, I feel like one thing we have to quit doing is, um, and I see this a lot, is, is, is when single folk get mad. Like, instead of, like, seeing it as a gift, you can get upset because you do more work than the married folk in the local church. Right? Can we just take off the fig leaf? Right? And so we got, so you like, why, why I got to tear down the screen? Right? And you can kind of get frustrated because you, cause you, you know, you're feeling like, well, man, I, why well, I got to do more work? Why can't they do more stuff? 
And I want to propose is because the issue of stage of life is God is saying that when you're single, plus a posture of humility and serving heart, you now realize, oh, I'm supposed to do more and praise the Lord. See that I propose that's a kingdom posture because you don't have to go and put your kids down for naps, right? You don't have to go cook for three, four, five people. And so God is saying, you can go and say, well, I should be able to do what I want to do versus saying, wow, God has given me a gift. How do I use that for the common good? I know it's going to take a little time for people to digest. I see single people smirking and stuff, but you know it's biblical. So he has given you, so here's the thing. The question is, well, I would say he's, you go, well, man, so does he want me married? Does he not? Well, I want to propose he's given you Christ. This is how, this is how, the, this is how the Bible positions needs. So what he did on the cross with Christ When he gave you Christ, he said, now, because you have Christ, you can never wonder if I'll give you good things. So that's the whole point. One of the beauties of Christ is he sealed the deal that he's good. And so he says, now you go, well, does God want to bless me with this? That's why you can't be ragging about a truck or a house or anything. Because he says, look, if you don't have it and you're walking with me, it's because I didn't give it to you. It's not because you got to do this and do that. See, that's witchcraft. That's mysticism. We are people of grace. God says, I give you, I killed my son. Romans 8. How much more not with him will I also give you all things? He doesn't kill his son, the apex of love, and then say, now I'm going to withhold marriage. You see how silly that is? So what he's trying to help us all understand is he's given us Christ. And he says, well, now it's an issue of trust. Do you trust me? The fifth thing is I want to say that singleness is meant to be a blessing. Right? Now, here's where I can, I hope that I can meet the, 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 the question of some of the people. So, I think we're on the same page there. But I hope we're hearing this. I hope you can even be in dialogue about this in that group, but also uh, just in your own journey. This one, this one here is meant to be a blessing. Now, but a blessing within your role distinction. Because people are going, so now, what do I do if I'm single and do I get a degree? You know, hearing, hearing the doctrines talk, you know, share with me last week, do I just sit around and read my, what, what do I do until or if God provides me a husband, right? That's kind of the, what, what do we do now? I want to propose that the, the, the Bible frees you up, and that's what Proverbs is all about. And that's why Proverbs matters to the single person, too, when you're talking about the wives, because it comes down all about character. Is that God isn't saying you can't do something. He's saying you do it now in the same posture in which I've created you. Let me unpack that. So as a, it's not that you become a nurturing person when you become a mom. Right? He's created you as nurturers. And so that same posture you get to do while you're single. In a single setting. Does that make sense? You still have motherly juices even if you never have a child. Because God created you like that. You're a nurturer. And so, you know, it's funny. Uh, who was, I was talking to, uh, and my man DeWine was talking to a guy 
Uh, and he, you know, a little kid, and the kid came up and was like, he was like, hey, man, look me in the eye, you know, and if you know DeWine, the deep voice, look me in the eye, man. And, he, and, he, and the dude, looked at him, the little boy looked him in the eye, and he shook his hand, right? DeWine, that's not his kid, but was, as a man, was teaching his young brother, look in the eye. He was teaching him how to lead, right? It was just his posture. It was like, this is what I do because I'm created like this as a man, right? He was, he was, he was, he was talking, I was talking with Alex in our Mac group, you know, he was sharing about corn, you know, and he has this job. And then Alex started talking to him like, look, you know, Alex doesn't have kids. He's like, look, now guess what? You got, you made some money. First thing you need to do as a provider, you need to first tithe. And started talking to this young brother. Why? We do that because that's how we're created. We're created with the role of distinctions before the fall. Right? So you, so you have a mom, you have a girl who's single, and you still get to nurture. You still get to care for kids. You still get to care for communities. You still get to have a gospel-centered home. Do you follow me, guys? Those things don't change. The way you live doesn't change. And you can do that in all arenas. You can do that as a lawyer. You can do that as a nurse. You can do that as a, you, you fill in the blank. As a manager, wherever you are. What we're talking about, though, is that we, there's, there's, there's role distinctions, all right? Is that there's ways that we, we, we are naturally wired before God to bring him glory. So, so my point in that, you know, is, Go be a lawyer. Go be a doctor. But now the question is, will you do that while celebrating how God has made you and understand that when he does or if he does provide that opportunity for you to be one flesh with someone, will you follow and say, okay, Lord, what does it look like now for me to see the, me being homeward seems to be the posture. Does that make sense, guys? All right. Okay, so I'm just going to go real quick. What we're going to talk about right now is just uh, talk about homewardness. Okay, just going to give a few tidbits about homewardness. Um, if there's any questions, you can throw them out because, I mean, I, I probably could do well on questions on this because uh, I think it, it's, it's messy. I want to make sure that's clear. It's messy. Matthew? Absolutely, he said, so it's not a waste for the woman to go and get a degree or whatever or, or see the upper echelon of, of a community. Not, absolutely not. Because here's the deal. The issue is this. If, if the job is your focus, if your, if your pedigree is your focus, if you, if you find great comfort in being a doctor, see, that's what we're saying. That's not right. That's not right for a dude either, though. You see, it's all about kingdom and gospel first. And so, and so you can, you can, none of those things are a waste at all. The question is, why are you pursuing them? And those things, and then God will show you why you're pursuing them when situations like that comes out, when you get married and things of that sort. So absolutely. So I want to encourage you again, it's messy. We, we celebrate and especially you need to be able to do that because of the fall. Because men are not stepping up, because men are not doing what we're called to do, the woman has to move forward. You have, you have to be beeline for Jesus, walking with the Lord, pursuing Jesus, and asking the Lord, how do I do that? 
Am I doing it as a doctor? Am I doing it as a lawyer? Whatever that looks like, you're pursuing Christ. And then if someone comes up and steps to you and they're on your level spiritually, praise the Lord. Right? Which sadly, I think a lot of ladies, what, you, what we do, you, you start thinking slim pickings and you settle and you move back or you stop running hard for Jesus and you kind of trot hoping, up, hoping that the dude to catch up. And that's when you get in trouble. But I really think we need to understand that you have the freedom in Christ. Um, so let's talk. Uh, thank you. If there's any other. <clears throat> so everybody got that. We understand freedom, messiness, homeliness. And now some of you guys, if you're new here, you're like, what happened last week? But uh, listen to the talk. I, made, I got made fun of big time. That it was the longest talk in MacAv history. But I. <laughs> All right. Let's talk homeliness. Uh, Homewardness. I'm sorry, homewardness. My point in that is that you have two distinctions. You have, I would say, if if we're talking, uh, if we're talking a posture, is that men that God has made men to be leading uh, and to be in in the business, to be out working, to be out providing, and that. But but I, and I say homewardness because I don't I don't even know what that means for a woman to be at home. I don't even know what that looks like. That's weird. It's like I didn't get it. But there's a homeward disposition. There's a homewardness where the mom. It seems like in scriptures the woman is taking care and nurturing and caring for the family and the kids and providing an environment so that the man could be all he could be for the Lord and for the family. So homewardness is kind of the tenor that I want to talk about. All right. Now, and, and I and that's why I even think when I when I think of looking when you look at this biblically, I would even say the word homemaker. I, I think you can even use the word minister because I would propose that's what that's what ladies are is you're you're full time ministers uh, in your home. Um, and again, single women, you're building a home right now. You're building a home right now. In the way you do it. And think about it, it's funny. Uh, you, you, I want to propose you're supposed to be building a gospel, a gospel center, but, but obviously a home is not highly valued uh, in, in, our, in our community, in our, in our culture. Uh, usually, uh, like home to me, it seems like today is for people and women to launch from. Like it's not a place to build. It's like I start here to get there versus I'm here to build a place, a gospel center. You see the difference? And that's why, you know, even, the, even people being committed to communities, that's like unheard of today. Did you know almost 40% uh, uh, women are almost over 40% the breadwinners in America now, in their families? 40% of homes, the woman is a breadwinner now. And you go, is that good or bad? You know, or Eric, you're sexist? Absolutely not. I'm proposing that's not the precedent set in scripture. Okay. I want to do a little deconstruction, and then I think I'm going to go ahead and pause and let us head out and eat some food. Um, I want to deconstruct our place in the world. Um, Basically, the 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 world talks to us like this. It says, who are the highest value in the eyes of the world? Who's who's the highest value? What's What's the highest value in the world? Worldly people, think, think, what do you think the world would say is the highest value? Money? I would say themselves. I would say we would say we are the highest value. I care, I, I love me. 
And I, and I would say the world says it's about me first. And because of that, I need money because I need the ball, right? So all, everything's about me getting mine. Um, when you have humanity being the high, right, the high need, when humanity is first, then what happens is self-fulfillment. You have to have self-fulfillment be under that. Because if you are the apex, if you are everything, then you need to make sure that you're fulfilling yourself. When you're fulfilling yourself, when it's all about you and you getting yours and self-fulfillment, then you can't really have accountability because you don't want people telling you what you can or can't do. Okay? So when you're the highest need, you need to make sure that there's self-fulfillment fueling that. You can't have any accountability. And so then what that breeds is individualism. If you can't have accountability, you don't want people telling you what, you, what, what you're supposed to do, then that's when you have individualism. It's about me, myself, and I. I do my own thing. You do your own thing. I don't really care about it. And then all of a sudden now, if it's about individualism because, because really you don't need accountability because it's really about self-fulfilling everything you're about because it's you are the highest need, then why do you even have relationships? I want to propose in the world people have relationships to get something from people. You suck things out of relationships, and when you've got what you've wanted, you just displace them. I want to propose that's the way the world handles people. Now, what's the highest need as a Christian? What's, what's the highest, I mean, yeah, what's the highest goal in Christianity? God. Who said that? Jesus, right? So if God is the apex, then humility right, is the value disposition, right? And with humility, because you realize it's not about you, it's about someone else, then what happens is that breeds commitment and community and not independence, okay? Because now you realize Jesus is the highest need. What does he desire? He's created as a community of mine. So now I'm going to be in community because I want to exalt Christ, not because it's about me, but because it's about him. So now there's not independence, there's interdependence because you realize that we all connect together to honor the Lord, and because when we're interconnected and we're honoring the Lord together, what happens is that frees us actually to be connected to God and each other because when we're actually intentionally trying to connect to each other, sin doesn't separate. And now we're existing not to be used by each other, but to see each other become more like Christ. I say that because you see how different those are? You see how drastically different the lens is that we're asking the Lord to allow us to view life in and what the world is telling us to view life in. I want us to understand that. Don't think we're all saying the same things. You are going out into the world and you are saying, I think totally cataclysmically different than the world. So now when you put those glasses on, when you're thinking about the home, because I, I want to propose we have the other glasses on a lot of time. But I want you to put these glasses on. Put those glasses on when you think of the word oikos, right? Home, this sense of being homeward. Think of what the home looks like in scripture when you see this concept of home. I just did a brief little deal. You got God's home, the tabernacle, his dwelling place, right? The temple, the church, his people. This is kind of the, 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 the thoughts you get when you think of home in the Bible. And then what's the point of these places? These places flow out the gospel, Right? They, the, the, part, the point of home, when you look at scripture, when you look at God's home, what's the point? It's for people to, to enjoy Christ and for Christ to flow out into communities and see communities change through, as it were, the home. You follow me? Now look at this. 
it says in uh, 1 Timothy 5, verses 10 through 14, and having a reputation for good works, if she has uh, brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for uh, the afflicted, uh, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows. He's talking, he's basically giving instructions to Timothy here about how to handle different people in the local body. Right now, he's talking about uh, women, young women. Verse 11, but refused to enroll younger widows when their passions draw them away from Christ. They're, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, verse 14, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion to slander. Titus 2, verses 3 through 6. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. Notice, listen to these different acts. I just picked two out. Listen to the homewardness. Okay, it's not so cut and dry, but listen to the posture of what, of what he's asking ladies to be about. Young ladies, older ladies, widows, all ladies. Okay. I guarantee you there's some single cats, there's some rich people. They're all different makes and, and models. He says, they are to teach what is good, so and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. That's a whole nother sermon of older women teaching younger women. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be, may not be reviled. Do you hear the homewardness? Do you see it, guys? This is in proof texting. I'm proposing, here's the thing. In occasional letters, you still have stuff like this. But the reason why you don't see it much is because it wasn't really an issue. The, the, the concept of women being homeward wasn't the issue. It was an issue of women wilding out while at home, which is another discussion. But this wasn't an issue. Now, what I want to talk about is that there's a, in this discussion of homewardness, I just want to talk about building a home in uh, full-time ministry. And then, yeah, we're going we're gonna to close up. So, look at some text here. We already went through 1 Timothy uh, 5, verse 14. I'm going to look at Proverbs 14.1. It says, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tear it down. I'm trying to make the case here, first of all, that man, the scriptures are so clear that there is a posture uh, that you as young ladies have, and you already can be building a house. Now, I'm blown away. When you look at this, I'm blown away at the responsibility of women because a lot of times there's two lies uh, that women think. Um, first lie is that we, we, you think it's kind of a sham that you got the whole being at home job. Uh, you, you know, you feel like, man, that's, that's what I got to do. And as if it's in, in almost the world, the world can posture, uh, the job of a, of a mom and a minister in a home as almost like, you know, mindless kind of stupid. And when you think of that, it's, it's furthest from the truth. Think about what the ladies are doing. I don't want to try and like 
like prove or like manipulate you. But I was just thinking about my, my wife and all that she does in the house. I was like, are you kidding me? Like the responsibilities that she has before her in my home is I'm blown away at what she has to do. I mean, think about it. She manages the nutrition, the education, the finances, all the bills, right? Home needs, she lets me know what's up with the house. I mean, it's insane. A woman has to be extremely wise to do what the Lord is asking you to do in the home. So don't believe that lie that it's a debt, it's a sham, that you don't have to have any mindset or you kind of just go in brainless. That's absolutely untrue. Uh, The second lie is from single women, that it doesn't apply to you. You're building a house now, whether you know it or not, right? You're either building a house of financial debt, you're building a house of emotional bankruptcy, right? If you keep dating goofballs, right? And they keep jacking you up. And then finally you find a guy that actually walks and seeks the Lord and wants to honor you. And now he has to, now you got a lot of baggage to process, right? You're building a house right now. So people say, what do I do? What do I do now? I'm saying Proverbs and scriptures just tell us all the time, both men and women, women, what we're supposed to be doing is building our character. Becoming more like Jesus. That's what Proverbs is about. Enjoying life and becoming more like Christ. So here are some cautions. Uh, verse 12, verse 4 of chapter 12, he says, here are some cautions, okay? Wives as being homeward. An excellent wife is a crown, is a crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. So I, I, now this is serious. I want to get this, ladies. So he's saying that there is women out here that you're like a cancer to a guy. That, that this guy actually, this is, that actually as time goes on, the husband is like, I just, I feel like I'm literally dying. Slowly killing him. Chapter 9, verse 13. The woman folly is loud. You see that? The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. We talked about this briefly last week. I mean, a loud, a loud wife who just rants and causes drama and just doesn't stop screaming and shutting up, right? And, and, and the sad thing for a guy, this is a really hard place for us guys. And I say this, ladies, I just want you to take some, some word pictures for yourself and ask, are you in these camps? Are you an absolute drama queen where you just scream to get your way? You just rant and go crazy. And then the guy... It's in a no-win situation, right? I mean, she's screaming at you and dogging you out where if you knock her out, then you're mean and you're crazy and you're a punk, right? So you can't knock her out. Just being honest. You got two choices, okay? All right? So you don't, we don't knock people out in church. Now, if you sit there and take it, you're a punk, right? So, like, what do you do? I want to propose don't marry a crazy lady like this. And you're saying, well, man, I'm already married to her. And, and that, praise the Lord, this, the gospel is, is awesome. And that's where we need to be processing and, and working through this. And hopefully the women, you're having enough humility in here to go, I'm that loud drama queen. And I need to learn how to repent of my sin. And I need to learn how to celebrate and honor my husband. And I need to be in process to figure this thing out because I'm addicted to drama. Verse 19 in Proverbs 21. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful wife. Same as her cousin, right? Quarrelsome, emotional manipulation. Um, 
Verse 20 of, 20 of chapter 26, look at this. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. And that, that's, a, that's a very intense proverb. Um, I mean, this is basically cold word for women's ministry, right? Just kidding. No, but um, I, think, I think one of our struggles here, they didn't get that, but one of our struggles here in this body, y'all looking mad, but this body, we can, we can gossip, okay? You ladies here, y'all could be some extreme gossips. Yeah, but right now we're talking women. We did we late, we did, we did, we did men last week. Just, just receive it. See? And so, and I, now here's one of the reasons. Let me just propose this. We say men too, but men are at work a lot of times, and actually at that point can't gossip because they're too busy. We're women, you're on the phone with your girls, and I just want to propose. Be very careful in this body that you're not a gossip. See, I think that's interesting, though. Because if the shoe fit, wear it. Because gossip, right here it says, keeps drama going. Let's talk about a good woman. I just want to talk about two, two quickies. Uh, Proverbs 19.14 uh, says... House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Prudent wife. What does prudent mean, guys? Say wise. I always ask guys, when I'm, whenever I'm doing counseling, if you've been counseling with me, you see me do this. They'll bring up something or a business they want to do or something like that. I'll say, Hey, man, what, what's your wife think? Especially if, I, if they're in this body, because we have a lot of wives. What, what does your wife think about that? Because our wives are, are really wise. And I know for me, um, I get to see, I don't, I mean, half this ministry has come about because me processing with Sarah. Uh, just processing with her and getting, her, getting insight from her. And so I always ask that. I always ask about the wives. And I want to encourage you guys. If you're married to a, a, a godly wife, make sure that you are getting that prudency. Make sure you're getting that, that wisdom. Make sure you're, you're, you're asking questions and getting insight uh, from your bride. Uh, verse 22, this is, uh, again, these are just tidbits of, I think, wisdom from the scriptures. Verse 6 of chapter 22, it says, train up, uh, we're moving forward because we, we're getting... We're going to be late. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I just thought, one thing I want to leave as we, as we move on is the concept of imitations. When he talks about train up a child, uh, the, the perspective here is one of imitation. And I, and I just thought, man, I've seen this so much in my family. Uh, and we were talking about this, uh, Kristen and I, uh, we were talking about even driving and how we were realizing it's not enough to be teaching our kids through our words, but most importantly, like, what are, what are your kids seeing you do? So being a wise mom, the, the thing I think you really need to ask yourself is what are your kids seeing you do? I think of, my, I think of uh, Sarah, you know, our kids will get hurt or they'll, they'll, they'll desire something, and, and I'll, they'll go, hey, Daddy, can we, pray, can we pray for it? And I'm like, huh, where do you, where do you learn that, you know? And I'm, then I look at my wife, and I see her always leading them to prayer whenever there's an issue. And so my kids just naturally think, yeah, if there's an issue, you just talk to Jesus. Like, it's just a normal flow. Um, I'm going to do Proverbs 16, 24, and um, 
Proverbs 31, 26. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I want to say, um, this is another biggie. Is ladies, how, as, a, as, as being homework, how's your tongue? Do you know anybody, any ladies who are loose with their tongue? I, I just, recently I'm just realizing a lot of our kids, like, just think about what, what you're shaping, what culture you're shaping with how you talk to people. How you talk to your husband and how you talk to your kids. And how you talk to people in his body. And the scriptures are clear. You can be a blessing or a curse with your words. Um, two more. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 31.22 says, She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Uh, when thinking about being a, a, a homeward wife, do you... This concept is like, are you taking pride in your home? Um, do you, are you, this is going to sound really plain, but do you clean your house? Do you, does it matter what you look like? Like, right, because I think in Christianity a lot of times we can get caught up and think, man, I'm okay with just having, you know, sweatshirt, you know, sweatpants on and a little t-shirt. Isn't it cool, guys, when your wife kind of beautifies herself? I'm just trying to be honest. I, that's, that's the posture here. Is that in her home, she kind of keeps her home tight. And she, when you look at Proverbs 31, she keeps herself looking good. Now, not, not, not idolizing, not going into the sense of, of looking like a runway model when you go into Trader Joe's, right? Like, and like First Peter, you know, talks about that. This, it's not about the stuff that we adorn. But there's that balance. But also, it shows great respect to your husband when you're, when you're his glory. And then finally, Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. I won't read it. It's a long passage. But what it does, it talks about the importance of sexual relations. And the question I have to ask is like, how important in your, in your relationship is sexual relations? And even asking, um, when you think of 1 Corinthians 7, I want to encourage families in this room right now to go and read 1 Corinthians 7 together. And I want you to look and see that the scriptures are really clear that your body isn't yours. Your body is your husband's. Your body is your wife's. And that if you're not giving of yourself to one another in that absolute sense of unselfishness, you're in sin. Because in that passage, he says, you can take time off. But really, in the context is when there's drama within that household, take time, pray, work out the drama, and then reconnect is the goal. In 1 Corinthians 7, write that address down. And I'm, this, is, this is one area that I see just hinder and destroys marriages. Way more often than I thought I would in Christian ministry. This is a very common area. Withholding love intimately from husband and wives because of our own selfish issues. Here's what I'm going to do. Think about some of that stuff as we talk through Proverbs. The goal, again, is for you and I to ask, what does it look like for you and I to be sort of fulfilling our roles um, in Christ? 
Those are some tidbits. I want you guys to process that in Mad Group. Think through those things specifically. Even think about, as we talked about in the beginning of singleness, how do we celebrate and care for those in our body who are single? As we continue to say, we're going to pray for God to be raising up uh, more single individuals. And finally, here, being a home or wife, um, I just want to ask you, have you asked, is this you? Are, you? are you able to celebrate women being a lady that has a homeward posture? Because I want to propose that's what the scripture says you're called to be about in order to maximize God's glory on this earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. I pray that you would allow these truths to sink deep, that people would wrestle and read the scriptures and, and validate uh, what you're saying from the scriptures, Lord, uh, not just opinions. Pray you would um, humble our hearts to do so. And Lord, I ask that you would allow our, our, our position uh, to be one where we just want to please you and we're and Lord, we would not covet each other's position. We would not covet each other's roles, but we would learn who we are in Christ and we would celebrate it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.